Hello and welcome to Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Joining me from Salt Lake City, where he is there for the All-Star Weekend, but not to see the NBA game, but to see um, some of the next great potential players in the NBA, because that's what he does for us, is Jonathan Gavoni, our um, draft analyst. What is your official title, Jonathan? Nobody ever gave me one. Me either. <laughs> I just say I'm an NBA draft analyst at ESPN. I keep it nice and boring, you know? Right. When um, when did you start covering the NBA draft? When was your first year of doing it for real? The 2004 draft. It's Dwight okay. Howard, Emeka Okafor. That, you know, it was a very different time covering the NBA draft then. There was no synergy. I mean, I was just a freshman in college. I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't, honestly, but... Um, <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, I've mentioned this a little bit on the pod. Uh, Monday is the day that uh, Jonathan and Mai's first story about Victor Wembanyama comes out. There'll be more. But uh, in January, uh, Jonathan and I went to Paris and spent, what was it, about five or six days with Victor and his family and his team? Five or six days? Yeah, I was bouncing around Europe, you know, but um, the my trip was about 10. And yeah, yes. I think we got five or six in with, with Victor and, and his family. Was it a remarkable experience? Um, the reason that I was there was because of the level of respect and the trust level that exists in Europe and in France uh, for Jonathan. His, there is... The the connections that he has and the longstanding relationships made this possible. Victor and his family is saying no to almost everything. There's very, very little um, spe- special media access to Victor Wembanyama right now because of what happened last October in Las Vegas, where he came over with his team, Metropolitans 92, which are really from, from Paris or just outside the city limits of Paris. Um he had 37 points in one game, 36 in the next, and blew everybody away. And there's been an unquenchable desire to learn about Victor. Um, and Jonathan made it possible. Uh, and so we went over there and used Jonathan's contacts. And I will say that Jonathan is a workhorse. I mean, um, he, he was elsewhere in Europe before I rendezvoused with him in Paris. Things happened in Paris where we all of a sudden had an unexpected little gap day. And Jonathan flew off to another city in Europe to see another prospect and then flew back at like six in the morning to be there for like an 8 a.m. meeting. Uh, it, by the way, not in France, in a different country in Europe. Um, and so uh, that's how he and then when he was and then when we were done spending our time with Victor, um, he got on a train and went to another country to do other stuff. And as we were um, going through and talking to coaches and stuff, these coaches would ask Jonathan, Hey, you know, we need a, a guard. What do you think of this guy? And Jonathan would be like, well, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, here's the pluses, here's the minuses because they trusted his opinion. So I was very much um, in Jonathan's world in, in Paris for this. Um, but Jonathan, this is obviously a prospect like I've never seen since LeBron and probably a European prospect. I don't know how much he's like Luka Doncic, but this, the, the intense interest and what everything is around Victor, which is a lot what our story is about is um, definitely a unique situation from my vantage point. Yeah. There's never been a prospect like Victor Wembanyama, and I don't think there ever will be again. It's just being seven foot four, seven foot five with an eight foot wingspan with that type of mobility, fluidity, skill, um, instincts defensively passing ability shooting ability ball handling everything i mean he's a complete player and he just turned 19 years old in january and it's so it's scary i mean what's going to happen when his body fills out a little bit more and he just you know he gets a little bit more experience because that's you know players get better with age and uh you know we'll obviously talk about this but the 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 best thing about him is how intelligent he is off the floor and and I'm mean, just like, and we, the, the more we learned about his upbringing and his education and his off-court habits, 
his hobbies. Uh, you know, it just it gets more and more interesting. He's such a fascinating guy off the court. That's for sure. So we actually met with him um, for the first time, I think, two days after his 19th birthday was when we were there um, initially. And um, we initially were hoping to come for his birthday party. Uh, that was the initial plan, but they told us he doesn't have a birthday party. He's too busy right now for that. So he's going to find some other time to celebrate. Okay. So I think we should set up what actually Victor. So Victor is playing on this team that's in the French league. It's known as well, everything in everything in Europe has three names. This is one of the things I've learned. Uh, Jonathan teams have three names. Leagues have three names in in uh, in France, the Pro A League is the top league. This is the league that Victor is playing in, but he is not playing this year for a Euro League team. A Euro League is um, um, teams from all over the continent come and play in uh, the top teams play in a league in addition to their national leagues. They'll, you know, on Saturday play a game in their national league, and on Wednesday play a game in the in the year in the Euro League. The Euro League is the top league in the NBA uh, in the top league in the world after the NBA. He did play in the Euro League last year for a team in Lyon, France, um, known as Asvel. Um, Asvel is owned by Tony Parker. But one of the interesting things and one of the stories that we tell in, in what's going on with Victor Wembanyama is that he has set this season up in a way that's never been set up for a European prospect coming to the NBA ever before. Because they knew that he was probably going to be the number one pick and because they knew that um, this season was going to be a lot about development. He, he and his agents did something very revolutionary. And this is kind of what our story is about. Jonathan, I wonder if you could tell the listeners a little bit about the moves that, that uh, Victor went through this year in his prep year, his gap year to prepare for the NBA. Well, they basically wanted to build a situation where he's going to be the best player on the team. And he's going to have a chance to determine the outcome of every single game. And, you know, we see that in the NBA and we see that even in college. Sometimes you very rarely see that. You never see that, honestly, in Europe, that kind of responsibility given to an 18 year old just just turned 19. And to make sure that he's as successful as possible, they put him with one of arguably the best coach in French basketball history. Vincent Collet, who, you know, longtime French national team coach, multi-time French um, coach of the year, won championships in that league. Um, he's gone toe-to-toe with our best players. You've covered that in the Olympics, in the World Cup. Um, and he's so, the Greg Popovich of France. Exactly. So um, he basically had already put in his resignation and said, you know, this club Metropolitan 92 is crumbling. There's no money here. There's no future. I'm going to go do something else. And and they and then he got a call saying, hey, do you want to coach Victor Wimanyama? And he said, yeah, I, I want to do that for sure. <laughs> and so they built a very young team of prospects, essentially young Americans, young French players. Um, you know, you, you get into this in the story, how basically the goal was to make sure that they have really high level practices. And that, you know, they play a unique style, you know, high level defensively, but share the ball and where Victor is going to be featured and where he's going to have a chance to express the depth of his talent and push himself to his limits on a game by game basis, which he's doing. And and they are incredibly successful. They're in second place, which is something that nobody really anticipated happening. A lot of people I talked to in France before this season thought that there was a really good chance they were going to get relegated. They were going to be in the second division next year, but which didn't matter because this club is, might not be there in a year from now. So the stakes were low. They didn't really care. Uh, but it's been an incredible experience for everybody involved. And Victor is the MVP of the league. He's leading the league in points, rebounds, blocks, um, you know, he's shooting a very high percentage from the field and, you know, the whole team is running through him and he's doing things that we've never seen on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, you know, if he had played, if he had continued to play for Tony Parker's team as well, or let's say he had gone to Real Madrid or he had gone to, you know, one of the teams in Italy, um, 
who like, I don't even know where his other legitimate choices were, uh, Jonathan. I guess Madrid would have probably been there. Um, Real Madrid has to has to worry about winning the Spanish League. Real Madrid has to worry about winning the Euro League. If they if if Wembenyama plays and he gets you know, 17 shots and he has, and he goes four of 17 and they lose, there's like real fallout from that. And the coach is under pressure and there's 28 year olds and 31 year olds who are trying to play for contracts and things like that. So, you know, he, Victor could have gotten that had he gone to the ignite, the ignite would have to a certain extent built themselves around him. He could have gone, he could have gotten that had he gone to um, Australia, where some prospects have gone to, I think. Um, he could have, he might have been able to get that if he went to Duke or something like that. But this was a team that he could stay at home in France and continue to work alongside with people who would make him uh, better and get some of the most elite coaching he could get in the world. And so this was a, it was a bit of an audacious move. But Jonathan, Victor Wimbanyama is thriving. He is having a spectacular year. The game that we went to, he played his ex-team from the year before, Asvel. And he he won the game on a last-second put-back dunk. He, if you follow him at all, you probably saw the highlight. Jonathan was sitting courtside and put the highlight on his um, Twitter feed. Um and this is where the Wembenyama experience is so different than from what I experienced with LeBron James 20 years ago. So LeBron obviously came to the NBA directly from high school and LeBron wanted for nothing. He had great support in high school. Um, they had, you know, he had good coaching. He had anything he would need from a development standpoint. Um, he was taken care of. He, you know, played high-level competitions for as much as you could as an 18-year-old. But Wembenyama is like, it's not even LeBron 2.0. It's like LeBron 3.0. It's like a completely different situation. Um, for example, we talk about this in the story, Jonathan. The team, which again, was barely solvent. It was barely held together. Not only has the best coach in France, but they hired a physical therapist, an athletic trainer, but basically his job is to take care of Victor. And with all due respect to the athletic trainers at St. Vincent, St. Mary, or even the athletic trainers that may be at a place like Duke or a place, I don't want, I don't want to say any school. This guy is a high level athletic trainer that is taking care of him as part of the many facets that are going on to make Victor as ready for the NBA as possible. Right, Jonathan? Yeah, and that was the, the best part of the trip was getting to sit down with these people like this physical therapist, Guillaume Alcare, and just drilling him with questions yeah. for 45 minutes. You know, I don't know how yes. much of it is good, we're actually we're going to use, you know, in like the TV feature, but um, it was amazing just to get to know, ask any question, and these people were all so open with us and you know, some very invasive questions you know, about <laughs> your process and your background and your qualifications and and Victor's injury history, you know, and, and how are you managing it? Um, and so and what is he like on a day to day basis? And so that was honestly the, the best part about this trip was getting to meet all the people in Victor's life and um, and asking them all these questions. Yeah. So Victor had a couple of injuries last year. Um playing for Asvel. This year he's been injury free and um, Guillermo has a whole process. Some of it was got seen by the public when he came over to Vegas with him sort of standing behind Victor would be sort of squatting on the ground and him standing behind him and throwing tennis balls over his eyes and doing those kind of workouts. But there's other stuff um, before every game, Victor gets into his bare feet and they do have, they spend a lot of time working on his feet because at seven foot four um, or seven, five, I think he's about seven, five in shoes. Um, you're worried about a big man's feet. So they have been for years now and particularly now working to protect his feet, working to strengthen his feet. Um, 
Guillerme goes on a long explanation about the importance of the big toe, of how important it is to protect and prepare and strengthen Victor's big toe. And they use bands on his big toe. And one of the crazy things that is that you've see, we, we see is him getting on his, his toes and his fingertips and kind of like inching and walking to help build dexterity and strength. And um, when we were there, Jonathan, there was multiple NBA general managers who were at the game. And one of them I was standing next to, and he took position on the, it's a small gym. I say the second deck. I don't want you to picture Madison Square Garden. The second deck is like 15 feet above (laughs) the floor. And um, he was videotaping with his iPhone, Victor's, you know, muscle activation routine. Um, because he was just fascinated by it and wanted to see what he was doing and wanted to take it back home and show it to everybody at home. And again, with all due respect to my uh, old friends at St. Vincent St. Mary, this stuff wasn't going on with LeBron James in 2003. This who's the, who's the, probably the, the best prospect to compare him to. And so this is part of the infrastructure, Jonathan, that is in place right now that when that they're working every day to protect Victor and to make sure he's in his best position as possible when he does get drafted first in June. And he hasn't missed a single game yet. And so the plan so far is, is paying off. Smack on wood that continues. And this is why he left us vote because there was some concern that you know, they did not manage him very well in terms of diagnosing injuries um, and doing all the preventative stuff. And um, just, and so I think the trust level there had, had eroded and they wanted to make sure that he was in Paris. And so, because they have an army of people, his agency, Comsport, who help manage his life on a day-to-day basis, you know, not only on the physical side, but marketing and the media and, you know, I mean, everything, everything. Is, and so that, I mean, that played a big part in why he's with the Metropolitans right now, not in SNL. One of the reasons. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. So, you know, we got to spend a couple of days with Victor, got to um, spend some time with him. Jonathan um, really was uh, doing the interviews. Um, there's going to be a much bigger feature on ESPN um, TV later on. This is just the beginning of what we have here. And um, we spent some time with him at um, his practice. We got to watch a practice. Then Shent let us watch a practice. We got to um, spend some time with him while he was at a photo shoot. We walked in his neighborhood. He lives in sort of this um, this island. It, you know, it's just a little bit away from downtown Paris. And it's sort of leaf, leafy and quiet. And it goes right along the Seine. And you walked with him along the river with our cameramen, like trying not to, walking backwards, trying not to fall into the river. That was a behind the scenes thing. Um, and you just got to talk to him and know him a little bit. And I just wanted to know what you kind of took away from a guy you've been scouting for years now, but really got to speak in depth with him at this, uh, during this opportunity. His off-court interest, uh, that was fascinating to me, just hearing him talk about his love of art, 
um, classical music, how much he likes to draw, uh, how he basically taught himself English um, through with partially the help of American TV shows, Netflix. Uh, you know, his mom made sure that I asked him about the um, his high school teacher who gave him like a failing grade in English. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, 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 they both they find that amusing, you know, because he speaks incredible English and he he almost has no accent. I mean, definitely not like a French accent. And so it was just, you know, just kind of he he wants to be different. You could tell, um, and it it's not there's nothing fake about it. I mean, he really is is different. He's unique, and he wants to do things his own way. And he's got a lot of ideas, so and he's got a very strong opinion too. Uh, you know, we there are multiple times where we said, "Hey, let's do this," and he said, "No, let's do that." Or the agent would suggest to me, he said, "No, I'm, we want to do. I want to do it this way." You know, so he's the guy that like you're not. He's not like your average eighteen or nineteen year old who just kind of you boss around, you tell them what to do, and they're you know. A lot of kids that age, like they just they got walked around on a leash, especially basketball players. There, there's not a lot of um, worldliness there. But Victor was different in that regard. And that, that was interesting to see, um, just to kind of hear about his perspective about how he sees things going, but also just how much he wants to just live in the moment right now. I mean, he 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 doesn't want to look ahead too much. He's hyper focused on this season, on just being the best teammate possible and winning games and just, you know, just doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I thought, you know, that, that was, was very interesting to see. And um, so it was, it was cool to spend, to spend that much time with him. Yeah. So um, when you talk to his coach, I, by the way, like, so his coach, Vincent Calais, um, he coaches the French national team, as you mentioned, I covered team USA against the French 2019 in China, which they beat the U S in the world cup covered them in Tokyo in 2021, which the French beat the U S in the first game um, of the pool play. And then they had a rematch in the title game and the Americans won the gold over the French. So I've watched Calais work um, listening to the way Calais describes coaching him. Um, we had this great sit down interview with, 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 with Vincent and like throughout the entire 45 minutes or an hour, I was just like, yes, this makes total, <laughs> I think it's such a gift to have him as his coach. But one of the things that uh, Vincent told us was that he goes, it's not just a story that we're telling the media that this guy takes a book on the, on the buses and on the trains, because they travel a lot by train in France to the various uh, teams. It's like, he does take a book. He reads a book. Like I look back there and he's reading a book. It's, he's not, we're not just saying he's not on his phone because we're trying to portray something like that's who he is. And um, uh, his, his agent, uh, his Dallas based agent, who's French and he represented a lot of great French players over the years. Uh, Buna Njai, who's also uh, Rudy Gobert's agent, Yvonne Fournier's agent, um, uh, Nicholas Batum's agent. Uh, he came over to the U S for the first time ever last summer to spend three weeks uh, training with a trainer based in Dallas, Tim Martin, who trains other NBA players in Dallas. And one of the first things that he did um, when he got there was said, hey, can we go to the store and buy some tools for, for drawing um, so I can spend some of my downtime drawing? Like it's like, this is not, um, this is not just lip service. Like this is guy is truly different. Um, Jonathan, you asked him who his favorite artist was. Um, and he said a name and you and I had never heard of this artist before. I don't even remember now who it was. Do you remember who it was? I mean, if like, if he had said like, you know, oh, it's Renoir or it's Picasso or, you know, it's, uh, you know, Monet, like I think, well, oh, okay, fine. You know, but he, he named this artist. Um, and it, it, he was a, it's a street artist. It's a graffiti. Yeah. Who I had never heard of. Um, he had, but we should have. Out. I mean, if you look at, if yes. you Google his name, like you've seen all this stuff, you know, we're just out of it, the two of us. Yeah, he's actually American. Keith Haring is very and, famous. Yeah, well, he wasn't famous to me, but my point is, like, it, it was a surprising answer. It was, it was not an answer that somebody who was just trying to, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know, Jonathan. You, you go, you evaluate these prospects every year. You spend a ton of time in Europe. You've talked to a lot of Europeans. I haven't done this. This is the first time I've gone overseas to evaluate an overseas prospect before he gets to the NBA. 
Um, I just felt that he was different, but I felt an authenticism. He was authentically different. He would, they weren't just telling us, you know, what we wanted to hear, which we're kind of used to in the media. I think I am. Yeah. And you, you know, we, we got a chance to spend some time with, the, with his parents. And I think you can see kind of where, where that comes from, you know, and, um, it's definitely a different type of upbringing, you know, and, um, and they, he's also been a little bit sheltered too. And that's, that's mm-hmm. part of what's going to be interesting is um, him stepping out of this, but I think he's really excited about it. I think he's definitely ready. And so they've done a really good job with, um, with everything. And so that's where all this comes from. Yeah. His, he definitely, I think is excited about moving to America. Um, and so at one point we went to a lunch, uh, he, it was, he and his agent having lunch and we had cameras all around him and we had microphones and we were listening and they talked about, it was supposed to be like, we were listening in, but you know, we knew what they were going to talk about. And they talked about where he could go in the draft. And, uh, Jeremy pulled up on his phone, the standings and, you know, and Victor was like, well, I'm used to looking at the top of standings. I don't, I'm not used to looking at the bottom of standings, but he of course knew exactly who was the leading candidates. And Jonathan, I thought it was interesting when it came to time to just, they were discussing where he may or may not want to go, what his um, position was on it. Yeah. So there's no wrong team because I think he's, he in his mind thinks that he's going to go, figure out even the worst situations in the NBA. He's not the kind of guy who's going to get drafted by Charlotte or Houston. He's going to say, I'm not going there. And that's, that's not the image that he's trying to sell. And so he's kind of already putting on the table that he's fine going. Whoever lands number one, they're going to have a list of things that they need in place to make sure this process goes smoothly, but he's not, probably going to hold out because because we kind of jokingly said oh you could always sign in real madrid if you don't like the team that gets you and he right away like stamped that out he's like no that's not happening sorry yeah he looked over and like was like very firm on this there is no wrong team um he was speaking in french during the lunch and we you know we're getting it translated but on this point he spoke in english so that you and i could hear him very clearly because obviously like um, we haven't seen that in a long time where a player tries to control where he goes, but this guy is so good and his power is such, he probably could, if he wanted to say, I'm not going to team X, he probably could play a game, uh, not a game. He could probably play a leverage ploy and probably force some action, but it was He's very clear contract that... next year with another team. They have to pay a buyout to get him out. And so it's different when you're coming from college, you declared for the draft, you went through the draft, you have no college eligibility. Where are you going to go? But Victor could say, hey, I don't I don't like Houston. I'm going to stay here unless you trade my rights. And that is, a, you know, that's a real threat. You know, like maybe they say, OK, piss off, you know, like stay in Paris because they know everybody knows that Victor wants to come to the NBA. He just got this gigantic, I don't know, what is it, 40 million dollar contract waiting for him. And so he's not going to pass that up. But that threat exists for Victor a lot more than it does for an American coming out of college. Right. And he probably could get maybe not ex- dollar for dollar for next year, but he could get a huge salary tax free in Europe. I mean, there is some merit to that threat, but that is just to say he has taken that right off the table. Like he's very firm about that. Um, one thing that you're going to hear about Victor, whether you see the highlights that come along with this story or you see him later on this summer, um, or if you did see him play in um, in Vegas last year against the Ignite, Scoot Henderson, you're going to be alarmed at how uh, thin he is. He is listed at 230 pounds. Um, he is again seven foot four, seven foot five. He looks very slight. Um, his hips are very narrow, as uh, many uh, teenagers are. Um, he doesn't look like he has much bulk. He looks like he could get knocked over by a stiff breeze by the way he's is actually strong you're not going to do that to him and he is um he's very tough he's he does not play he's not a finesse player um but jonathan this is a topic that is very important to victor his agents his physical therapist um what 
what did we learn about their position on what we know will be a chorus of people saying, you know, better start guzzling raw eggs and and whatever to to build weight. They they don't think he needs to gain a ton a ton of weight, and and I and I think there's people every, every year people when a big name comes out they you know Evan Mobley and Chad Holmgren and dating back it was Anthony Davis was too thin, thin. Joe Kim Noah is too skinny. These guys all get stronger, and it's never really an issue, you know. Uh, even like he's got a better frame than Evan Mobley, for example, and and the Mobley is fine, you know. Like and so the NBA is a different ball game now. They're, he's not going to be playing with his back to the basket, you know, thirty times a game like Shaq or something like that. He's probably going to be more of a foreman early on in his career because you know I think one other interesting things talking to him is you know one of his worst memories that I brought up was this time I went to see him in 2019. There was a tournament in Spain during the Euroleague Final Four. It's like an all-star game that Adidas put together. And he played really bad. You know, like that was my first time seeing him. And I brought that up to him. I said, Victor, what happened? That was my first experience watching you play. And he said, man, the, the coach made me play center. <laughs> you're seven foot four. Like, of course against, he played center. Like, you're playing against 16-year-olds. You know, like the college guy on the floor was probably six foot eight, you know. Of course, he so. He, that, he he said that like he was just huge insult. The coach made me play center, you know. Because, but I think when you if you drill down with him, what it means to play center, it's not. You know, he plays center now for his team. It's he didn't have that freedom to handle the ball, to pass the ball, to shoot from the outside, to do all these things that he loves doing, which is what makes him special as a basketball player. And so that's what he meant, you know, when he said. The coach may play center. It's like he doesn't want to be this back to basket guy. And it's interesting that as the season moves on more and more, he's becoming this back to basket guy because it's just so hard to get him touches in France otherwise because they're putting these like six foot five guys on him. They're denying him off the ball. And really, the best way to get him a good look is to get him the ball with his back to the basket. And then he towers over people. And he can use his passing ability and he can throw in all these turnaround jumpers. He can face up. He can, you know, um, take guys off the dribble and he can draw a million fouls. And so, yeah, so that's, you know, some of the challenges that he's going through because they allow so much contact in the French league. It's so much more physical than the, the NBA. And they're really beating up on him in, in a way that, like, I, I don't understand how they let it happen, you know, like, because it's not fun to watch, you know, just the way that like that, that, that they're going at them. And, and they're just like, they don't like you. We're not used to that in the States because they protect the players a lot better. You know, you can't just like grab a dude with two arms and not let him catch the ball. I mean, it's, that's a foul every time in France. It's like a foul some of the times, you know, like, and so um, that, you know, th that's, what's going to be one of the things that I think he's going to enjoy in the U S and that's why, it was so interesting seeing him go off against Ignite, 36 points, 37 points. The space that he enjoyed, the freedom of, you know, single team coverage and the pace of the game, being able to catch and shoot in rhythm. And the game in France is so much slower than the G League or the NBA game. And that's where I think, you know, his eyes just light up when you talk to him about that. It's like, yeah, it's going to be a lot easier. And people think it's insulting when Luca says scoring in the NBA is easier than it is in Europe. It's going to be a lot easier for Victor than it is in France right now. Yeah, I think he can't wait to get the NBA for a lot of different reasons. But um, one of the things is they do not want him gaining weight too fast. His mother, Elodie, um, is very much into organic living. She cooked organically for him his entire life. Um, forget about any chemicals. Uh, she says, right, Jonathan, that she never cooked the same meal for him twice. He kind of rolled his eyes a little bit at that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, his mother is, I, I mean, just to be clear, I spent, a little bit of time with her over a couple of days. I don't know her well, but my, um, I was very impressed with her, his, his mother, um, for folks who've listened to this podcast for a while, I think I might've mentioned this to you, uh, Jonathan, she reminded me so much of Jackie McMullen. She looks like Jackie McMullen. She's a former, 
like she played for a long time. Jackie played in college like Jackie. She has the same sensibility as Jackie where she can be sweet, but also can be firm. Um, very experienced in the world. Um, and his father, who is six foot eight and um, was a triple jumper, um, was very much of a, of a great athlete um, and helped really teach Victor how to run. Um, so that he runs with a better technique than you see a lot of big guys. Um, but his mother is, you know, Victor eats and does things organically. And um, in fact, um, his agents told us that he got offered a very lucrative deal by a soda company, a very well-known international soda, you know, company. And he just, he's going to turn it down probably because he doesn't do it. And I think Jonathan was like, well, you know, that company makes like a water product. And they're like, yeah, but we're just, I don't think we're going to do it. So that's how he is. And so that's like the way he is intending to approach it. And um, he spent some time last year with Holger Gershwinder. Is that, did I say that correctly? Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah. Holger, if anybody knows, was Dirk Nowitzki's coach, his skills coach throughout his entire career. And, um, People, you know, one of the things that Victor's been doing recently is shooting off one leg. He's been taking one-legged jumpers, and people were like, "It's pretty much an unguardable shot." Uh, he takes an uh, he takes a one foot or uh, one footed three pointer, where his hand has got to be, you know, eight foot something off the ground. Um, but he didn't actually learn that from Holger. He just worked on some other skills with Holger. But when Holger, you know, sent him back to France after ten days, he called his agents and said, whatever you do, do not have this young man gain a lot of weight. He'll get, he'll get hurt. It'll ruin not have lift weights at all. He said, right. Right. And um, Victor, he lifts a little bit now, you know, I mean, like we went through it with, with Guillaume and they do lift, but not, he's not like squatting. Right. Right. So like they're, they're actively, his build is sort of actively this way. When you see him, don't think that he's like, Oh, he doesn't, you know, get in the weight room kid. Like, trust me, everything that they're doing is with a reason, you know, they have a reason. He's filled out so much since I first saw him, you know, we, one of the best parts of this trip was getting to see all the videos and the pictures from him when he was younger. And some of the pictures I was like, are you sure that's not Giannis? Like when I first started watching him, because he looked, I mean, when, when you Victor told him like that too. 14. I'm like, dude, you looked like that's how Giannis looked. Exactly the same. And he was like, Giannis, what? Like Giannis is huge. Dude, Giannis was so skinny when I first met him. He was 195 pounds, you know? And so Victor is ahead of the, I mean, obviously he's not going to look like Giannis. Giannis like turned into He-Man. He's like 260 now and he grew two inches in the NBA. That doesn't happen to, to most people, but Victor's body is going to be fine. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, so the thing about the thing about Victor, he does, he doesn't watch a ton of NBA because it's so hard, six, seven hours ahead, forget it on the West coast. Like, but he does watch film highlights and he studies Durant. And what he studies with Durant is how he gets his feet underneath him, how his footwork is to launch shots. Um, he sees himself, you know, trying to play the game more like Kevin Durant. Um, and his shooting form is textbook. So like, again, I'll go back to LeBron. When LeBron came into the NBA, obviously he had this incredible body. He was 240 pounds. He's probably played most of his career above 260. Um, he, at times, although he's always very much been sensitive about his weight being known, I believe at times he's been around 280. Uh, he bulked up a little bit in Miami uh, when he first started having to play power forward. He's back down. He doesn't play that heavy anymore. Um, uh, but when he came into the NBA, LeBron's had no shooting s- skills. He he his shot was off balance. He leaned back. Um, his elbow was all over the place. Wembenyama's shooting form is pristine. I'm not saying he won't get to the NBA and there won't be some you know, effort to change it, but he is so much more educated and skilled 
He doesn't have the body LeBron's going to have. Okay, if it had, okay, we know that he's not necessarily going to be having seventy-five and ones his rookie year like like I think LeBron did. Um, but he he is definitely very mindful of how he is going about preparing for this, and um, that was one of the things that I just took away in general. Um, Jonathan, I don't know about you, but like every like everything that they do is mindful about the future. He sleeps like his agent wants him to sleep 11 hours a day. I was a little bit stunned when I, when I heard that number, um, his trainer, I think, well, well, he would, he would love to have to sleep him sleep 10, but if he sleeps nine, he won't get on him too much, but they're like, I, I, I don't think that there's many young players who are, under the thumb of their trainers to get as much sleep as possible. Like sleep to them is as important as anything. I mean, this is a different prospect than we've ever seen before, especially coming out of Europe. They realize what they have, you know, and they, and Victor told, has told them like he wants to be the best player ever. And so if you, if he wants to be the best, he, he needs to treat his body. Like it's like, like you would, if you're the best player ever. So that's, they have a, a really detailed plan here in place. He's also very, very competitive. I know you hear that about players a lot. Um, Jonathan, f- f- I mean, we we talked to his coaches going back to when he was 10, 11 years old. And that is not much so much in this story. That'll be for later stories. We got to talk to his coach when he was 10, when he was 12, when he was 14. And he was he was with a club from age 14 onward. He was living in the in a dorm with a club from age 14 onward. Um, so he moved away from home, even though he's from suburban Paris. He's actually from a, a town very close to the Palace of Versailles. He basically grew up in the shadow of the Palace of Versailles, which is uh, in the Western um, Paris suburbs. But Jonathan found footage of Victor as a nine-year-old. Jonathan and I watched footage of Victor as a nine-year-old playing with 11-year-olds. Um, his I don't know how tall he was at that time. Tall is the answer. Everybody his feet was were, 11 and he's nine. Right. So think about boys, the difference between 11-year-olds and nine-year-olds. His feet are so big he can barely run. But what I took away from it, and he was nowhere near the best player on the court. <laughs> there was other guys. He was much terrible. <laughs> it was, it's kind of laughable to, if you, if if somebody who was at that game, you said, "Hey, there's a future number one overall draft pick on this court right now." You'd be like, "What?" But when he his team would give up a basket, he would slam the ball into the ground. He was super competitive as a nine year old before. Again, this isn't just somebody telling a story. This is like us watching this footage. Um, and it is part of his makeup that he really, really wants to be successful. I think that's common for people who reach the NBA, but it's not always common for super tall people. Sometimes super tall people are sort of guided into playing basketball. Um, and sometimes they get drafted. There have been guys who've been drafted number one because they're super tall and there's an assumption made about where they're going to be and they haven't loved the game. This guy is so serious about being great. I don't know if he will be Jonathan. There's no such thing as a can't miss prospect, but he is doing everything in his power to be great from day one. Yeah. I mean, he's the strides that he's made the last few years, because honestly, the first time I saw him, I did think he's soft, you know, and, uh, and, and it's interesting to hear his coach, Vincent, he said, he calls him soft, you know, like Victor <laughs> is not soft, but everybody around him is pushing him to get, tougher because they know what's coming for him and they're not satisfied with him being the MVP of the French league. That's not the goal for them. And so they're putting him in positions where he's going to struggle. And that's what ignite was about, you know, like let's go test yourself, which is a crazy thing. If you think about it, you know, like Luka don't just, they, they would have asked Ramager come to Las Vegas and play. They would have laughed at them. You know, I mean, no, Every agent unanimously across the board thought it was a horrible idea for Victor to get on that plane and come play against Scoot Henderson and Judah Ignite. But he wanted it, you know, because he wanted to test himself. And, uh, and you know, his agent, Boone Angel, said that week in Vegas may have been worth $100 million for him, just in terms of 
the notoriety that he gained around the world. Yeah. I, I, I again, compare him to LeBron. I have speculated that, um, uh, the, the game that LeBron played on ESPN, it was actually on ESPN two, um, against Oak Hill when he was a senior in high school that amped up the shoe wars for him. I have guesstimated that that made him somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to $50 million just from that performance. Um, his play later on amped up even further, but I think his shoe contract was probably headed for 20 to 30 million. And that performance helped propel it to 90 million. Um, inflation adjusted <laughs> 20 years later. Um, the brands are all over Victor trying to sign him. And they, they, they could probably make a lot more than that, um, but they're trying to be selective. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So, Jonathan, what do you think is the realistic impact that Victor will have in the NBA next year? How do you see his rookie year at this point? What do you project it? I think he's going to be an all-star. I think that whatever team takes him is going to build their team around him. I mean, obviously, it depends who drafts him. I mean, which which you get to number one pick. I mean, yeah, we hope it's not one of these really incompetent ones who don't know what they're doing and already have a lot of bad pieces in place. And so, I mean, they, if it's the right team, um, they're going to build around them and he's going to play basically point guard for them on offense, center on defense. And I think he's going to be an all-star and I think they're going to make the playoffs. The thing is, is that Gavoni doesn't really mess around. Like he, when he says something, I listen. <laughs> um, I, I am not an evaluation specialist, but I think that from day one in the NBA, he will be a dominating defensive force. He will alter shots like nobody we've ever seen before. Nobody will be able to understand how long he is and how his ability to get out and do that. I think from day one, teams will have to game plan for dealing with him defensively. Um, I'm not sure how he's going to score. I'm sure he'll score more than he does. He's averaged, he averages 22 points in Europe to average 22 points in Europe in a 40 minute game where they allow rough housing that supports your point, Jonathan, to average 22 points in that league is something because you score 20 points in a game in that league. You've done well, um, in the fast paced NBA, he could, I I'm not a hundred percent sold He's going to be a force offensively immediately, but then again, you know he, you know, you know he he shoots free throws well. Yeah, um, I'm not quite an all star just because you never see rookies become all stars, but there's a reason why teams are falling all over themselves to get him, and why I think we were going to see some teams that are going to be out of it due to some extreme tanking measures as we get down the stretch, but. Um, uh, please read this story. We talked about a lot of it here already. Um, Jonathan um, and I will have more on Victor later on. And uh, also Jonathan has, I can't wait. Does it next week, your 2024, your first 2024 mock draft comes out? Uh, Wednesday. 
Oh, this Wednesday. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to see who you've got number one. Just tell me this. Is Bronny James on your list? Yeah, he's very high. He's going to shock people how high he is. See, here's the thing, Jackson. I remember because I watched LaMelo Ball. I watched him in high school and because he played a year in Cleveland. He played before he went to Lithuania, before he went to Australia, he played a year in Cleveland. And I saw him play like as a seven, 16, 17-year-old. And I was like, yeah, he's super skilled. You know, or, I mean, he's, you know, he can do stuff, but I don't see him as a special player. I just see him as, you know, a guy who, you know, beats up on inferior opponents. And then a year later, Jonathan goes to Tasmania, Tasmania. Okay. And says, yeah, LaMelo ball might be the number one pick on the draft, uh, guaranteed, uh, top three pick. And I was like, give me a break. Gavoni bull. No way. Well, guess what? LaMelo ball went three should have gone two, and one rookie of the year the next year. So when he says to me, we're going to be surprised with how high Bronny James is going to go. I'm going to be paying attention to that. But first, check out our story on Wembenyama. Thank you, Jonathan, for spending some time with us. Thank you for letting me tag along in Paris. We went to some good meals. We had the Jonathan, greatest time ever. It was a phenomenal. It was an incredible week. It was. He took me to this restaurant that I won't speak more about because you know I don't want our bosses to know anymore. Um, had some dishes that I you know were pretty remarkable. He took me to a museum. And he took me and showed me some great basketball. And I got to see how much respect everybody in Europe has for him. And uh, he taught me so much that week. So anyway, um, hope you enjoy reading about and hearing about Victor Wembanyama. Uh, he's going to be something special. Thank you for listening to Collective Podcast. Thank you to Jackson. We will talk to you in a couple of days. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.